You're listening to the Save the Marriage Podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Bauckham. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being on this podcast. I appreciate you being here. I know it's important for you to be here. It's important for me to give you some information. Now, one of the things that I've really noticed after um, my uh, almost 48 years on this earth is that people are quirky. And I include myself in that. People are just quirky. Uh, you know, I, I find myself becoming more quirky over time. And, and I didn't start out unquirky. When I was in high school, I, you know, I was the one that, that had friends but wasn't particularly the popular kid, um, probably because of my hobbies. For instance, I was a magician. And if you know magicians, you know, we rank somewhere above clowns and mimes, but uh, below athletes and just about everybody else. And I did a lot of magic shows uh, and was pretty... Um, pretty pretty geeky at that point. I started the magic club at the high school. Uh, you know, I was the one that at, at lunchtime, I went to the library and hung out with the other geeky kids instead of trying to find a table to sit down. You may have been one of those people, but if not, you may not know my pain of that. But, you know, I've always been that quirky guy. I was the one who went to uh, the magic conventions when I was uh, an early teenager. And, um, you know, I was the one always wearing a tuxedo on the weekends when I was going to do magic shows and kids' birthday parties. And uh, I lived in an adult world on Saturday nights when I went to cocktail parties and did magic shows. And I kind of put that away in college a little bit just because I was a little tired of it, but that didn't keep me from being quirky. I still had different interests than other people. And now I look at myself and I look at who I am. Uh, my kids uh, almost cringe because uh, if it's above 50 degrees, I'm walking barefoot in the neighborhood and, and I walk my dog twice a day. So uh, one day, uh, several neighbors brought it to my attention that I become known as, oh yeah, that barefoot guy who walks his dog in the neighborhood, uh, much to my children's embarrassment. Um, I also scuba dive. Uh, not, not a lot of people can claim that. Not only did I learn to scuba dive, but I became an instructor. Um, and so I also paddleboard. I love to be out on the water paddling. Uh, and then I also eat a paleo diet and I trail run. And, you know, I don't like meetings and I don't wear wool. Uh, it makes me break out, always has. And I really don't like to wear dress clothes. I'll wear them if I have to, but I don't like to. Now, what I'm saying is that I've got lots of quirks. Lots of differences of uh, just kind of being who I am and being myself makes me a little bit different than maybe everybody else. But by the way, that's true with everyone. We're all different than anybody else. And thank goodness, because that's what makes this world so interesting. Let me ask you to think back on high school. Do you remember that? How everybody was trying to be different, but everybody was doing it like everyone else. We all wanted to be different, but we wanted to be accepted and we wanted to be like everybody else. So there's there was this odd moment where you're trying to be different and yet you're just like lots of other people because we all need approval. We need validation that we're okay and that we're lovable and that doesn't change in our adult life. My wife went to a conference a number of years ago. It happened to be held in a high school. And so at the the lunch break of the conference, she was in a strange city and so you know, it was that moment back to high school and she gets her lunch and she heads out to find the table to sit down and every time she tried to sit down with somebody, they didn't want her to be there. They didn't want her to sit with them because they wanted their friends beside them. 
They didn't want to have some stranger that they might not have a connection with, might not be friends with, might not have anything to talk about, might not have their approval, might not be validated. And it reminds me of the fact that our needs from high school aren't just about high school or middle school or elementary school. They are lifetime needs for some validation in our life, some place to say, you're okay, you're lovable, you're cool. Now, here's the piece that I want to pull out of that. This is especially true in marriage, and I think it is one of the most underrated pieces of attraction and connection that there is. We talk about love and chemistry and attraction and that, that kind of a, ooh, he turns me on or she turns me on kind of way, but we fail to see one of the important pieces behind that. We need validation, and we especially need validation and approval from our spouse. Now, you and I could have an argument about whether that's a sign of maturity or not. I think it has nothing to do with maturity. I think it's about our human need for connection, that we need somebody to say, hey, you know what? You got my stamp of approval. I can tell you that as an author, one of the things that really helps me is to have someone say, hey, I like what you wrote. In fact, sometimes it's helpful to say, I disagreed with what you wrote. I kind of thought this. And and yet I realize that one of the things we're all looking for is that validation that me sitting in a room in the dark all by myself writing is very unsatisfying for one simple reason. There's not a connection on the other side. The reason I bring that up is not because I need everybody to write in and tell me whether they like something I wrote or not or like something I said or not, but to say that that's a human need. If you want to starve out a worker in your workforce, don't give them feedback. Don't tell them how they're doing, good or bad. Let them just act as act as if they're not there. Just let them think that they're background, and eventually they will be background. Not only will they be background, but they'll disappear. We all work for that validation, but there are limits to that. If we make it too hard to get validation, eventually people give up. This is where it gets down to the nitty-gritty in marriage. I truly believe that validation is especially essential in a marriage and especially something that is rarely noticed in a marriage. Too many times I see people who invalidate each other, who make themselves feel unwanted, makes the other person feel unwanted, makes the other person feel unaccepted. And when that happens... It leaves a huge vacuum, and that vacuum will be filled by something or someone. The something may be that their attention goes elsewhere. They stop trying to get attention uh, and validation from a spouse, and their attention goes to work or to hobbies or uh, to children or to somewhere else, friends, and sometimes to an affair or to a lover. Because we all so strongly need that validation. I want you to kind of think through about that, that validation and how it fits into different places in a marriage. For instance, how about validation and sex? I can tell you I've talked to enough men to know that the greatest turn on for men is to be able to please somebody, to get the validation that, that they were able to, to please their, their spouse. I can tell you from women that 
It's about the validation of I'm acceptable, I'm loved, and that you have some enjoyment from my body. That Those two pieces are both men and women. We get validation from sex, and I've heard from person after person that said, you know, I give up. No matter what I do, my spouse either doesn't respond to me or doesn't do anything active when we're uh, in, in our sexual contact. And, and I know it enough to know how damaging that becomes on the ego. Or how about the, I give up, my spouse refuses to be sexual with me. Talk about an invalidation. Now, there may be some reasons. Like, you don't always have to be up for it. You don't always have to be in the mood. But what I hear more often is people saying, they're never in the mood. And obviously, it must be about me. In other words, if we feel rejected... We turn that rejection on ourselves, not just in sex, but in many other places. So sex is just one of those places where we look for validation uh, in our our marriage. What about, about career? Having a spouse that says, hey, you know what? Good job. I know you're working hard at your career. I know you're trying hard. Rather than a spouse that says, you could do better. I don't know why you're doing this, or I don't know how you even deserve that job. You didn't do anything to deserve it. It's because you know such and such, or... You know, I really don't know that you can do that. Or why would you try to start a, a, a business? You have no capacity of that. Name the ways that people can be invalidated in a career, and I've heard it from spouses, as opposed to the ones that say, you know, I know you're doing your best. Things will work out. Let's just keep doing our best. That's validation. How about validation in appearance? We all need it, men and women. You know, when, when we don't know how our spouse feels. We might be asking questions. Hey, how do I look in this? What do you like think about my haircut? How do you think I'm looking? We're all looking some, for some validation. That the other person says, well, you know what? You're still attractive to me. That's a validation point of just our physical appearance. You're still attractive to me. After these years, you're still attractive to me. Or how about validation for ideas, for thoughts, for beliefs? Now, let me make a pause here and say validation is not the same as agreement. It's not the same as being just alike as your spouse. But it's about validating the other person as lovable and acceptable and as a human being. So let's go back to those ideas, thoughts, beliefs. My wife's father died a couple of weeks ago, and whenever that happens, I think we all have a lot of theological thoughts and beliefs. And one of the ways I processed that was with a a peer group of mine. You know, I talked about some ways that I'd been really thinking about my theology, about different uh, uh, pieces of life. And and as I talked about that, you know, I had this conversation that helped me kind of get through in my head what I was thinking. And then I reported back to my wife. I want to tell her the conversation I'd had. I wasn't expecting that she would agree with me necessarily on those beliefs. Now, she did on a lot, but on a lot of them, we had some interesting conversations. I wasn't looking for her to agree with me as much as to validate the fact that I was having some interesting thoughts, that those were of interest, that they were worthwhile, that they were useful, that maybe they had some purpose and meaning. That's what I mean by validation of ideas, thoughts, and beliefs. I have a million ideas for different things to write, different businesses to be involved in, different ways of getting my information out there. Some of them are far-fetched and some of them are useless. I don't expect my wife to always say, oh, good job, that's great. 
but to listen and respond to me and say, well, what about this? Or, wow, that sounds pretty cool. What would happen if is validating. What's invalidating is if somebody is constantly saying, that's ridiculous. Get off of that. You shouldn't even be thinking about that. We all have a right to be thinking and processing and having our ideas and thoughts and beliefs. And what we're really looking for is somebody to be okay with that. Somebody to say, you know what? Whatever comes of this, we're in this together. So if you want to try some things, hey, go after it. That doesn't mean you can go spend all of their retirement money or all your, your uh, savings on it, but within reason. Can we, can we define a risk, for instance? I've heard from many people that said, you know, I've got a spouse that wants to start a business. That's crazy. They've never been in business before. And my first response is, can you do it safely? You know, can you do it without putting everything at risk? Can you move forward in a way that lets the person take some opportunity and risk? That's validation. There are some traps, as you might have guessed, about why we don't do that, why we don't validate the other person. Here's trap number one. Somewhere along the way, the other person became a project. You know, sometimes it happens while couples are dating that one of them goes, you know what? I see potential here. I see ways that I I could fall in love with this person if they were like this, or I think that I could get this person to be this way. And the other person becomes a project. And by the way, this is not a gender issue. It can happen both ways. But I see the other person as a project. And so they start working on the project. And I'll tell you what, anybody who is a project has just been invalidated on who they are. You might feel like you're validating them on who you think they can become, but you're invalidating them on who they are if you play into that trap. The other person is not a project. The other person is a lovable person. And when marriages are set up as, I'm going to make this person who I want them to be, it's already in trouble. Trap number one, the other person as a project. Trap number two, You believe that the high ideas are giving them a place to grow into. Those ideals that you have for them, it it kind of gives them a bar, right, to meet. And so you don't want to give out any validation because then they might settle. And so this is kind of like having a project, but but it's the next step beyond that where you say, oh, yeah, yeah, you're doing okay, but you ought to be doing this. You're earning this, but you ought to be earning this. And so no, no matter what they're doing, you move the bar a little higher. Now, that's a technique that people think motivates people. But in reality, it crushes the spirit. For a while, the other person might try to rise to that just to get the validation that just stays out of range. But if the bar keeps moving just beyond them, eventually everyone goes, forget it. I'm not going to chase after that bar because I never get there. And so in the short term, sometimes people say, see, you know, they went higher than they were before. Now, I'm not saying that having high bars aren't important. I have huge goals for myself. But notice, they're for myself. If my spouse put out those bars for me, just in my personality, I'd probably rebel. But if I didn't, I would find myself constantly frustrated that I couldn't get to those places. I can hold those bars for myself. But I need someone on the sideline going, I believe in you. I believe you can get there. I believe that you can get to where you want to get to without having to say, here's where you need to get to. I'll set the bar for you. So trap number two is a belief that your high ideals are giving your spouse a place to grow into. 
Trap number three is I will validate them when they, and this is the if-then. I'll validate them when they validate me. I'll validate them when they earn a million dollars. I'll validate them when they raise my child the way I want them to be raised. I'll validate them when they get the career I think they should have. I'll validate them when, and if you fill in that blank with anything, you've just invalidated the other person for who they are and where they are. So trap number three is I'll validate them when they fill in the blank. Trap number four is wanting to control. When there is somebody who's controlling a situation, it invalidates the other because it basically says you have no capacity of having say-so in this. I'll control this because I don't trust you. I hear this from both men and women. There's not a gender issue to this either. Both men and women can be controlling. They do it in different ways, but can be controlling of the other person. I'll control how you spend the money because I don't trust how you'll deal with the money. I'll control how you do the housework because I don't trust you to do it well. I'll control how the kids are raised because I don't trust you to do it. If there is a sense of control in the house, it invalidates the other person because the controller assumes they have the right way to do it. Now, understand that control is often out of a place of fear. So I'm not saying that the other person, the person who's controlling is doing it to invalidate the other person. I'm only saying that it serves to invalidate the other person. So number four is the the want to control. Whenever you're controlling, you invalidate the other person. Number five is not feeling validated, so you respond in invalidating ways. I don't feel invalidated. I don't feel validated, so I invalidate you. Now, this is a common trap, and it's an understandable trap, that you say, you know what, I'm going to treat you the way I'm being treated, rather than saying, I think I'm going to treat you the way I want to be treated. We get into those places where, since we're not feeling validated, we choose to invalidate the other person, or at least not validate the other person. Now, that's a trap that's an interesting trap, because we all want validation, And my suggestion is not to get trapped by that because one of the things I've noticed is sometimes we miss the validation that's coming our way. We reject it. So sometimes we assume that there's no validation when we simply can't see the validation. So I always say I'm going to act in ways that I want to be treated. There's the golden rule. Do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. And That one is applied to everyone. It should certainly be applicable to a spouse. But to say, I'm going to validate you regardless of what you do is a method of moving through this crisis of validation. Trap number six is physical rejection. Don't touch me. Don't kiss me. Don't have sex with me. I don't want to be touched by you. That invalidates the other person in so many fundamental, deep psychological ways. So trap number six is physical rejection. That equals invalidation. See, when we set a high bar or control the other person or try to give them some place that they need to grow to, there's this idea that social psychologists talk about of where is our locus of control, the location of the control. Is it internal or external? Control can be well-meant. High bars can be well-meant, but it saps the other person of responsibility, of enjoyment, of satisfaction, of acceptance, of feeling like they're capable. 
because it takes their feeling of being in control and moves it from within them, the internal sense of control, the internal locus of control, and makes it external. And whenever we have some sense that somebody else is in control or something else is in control, we lose our capacity of moving forward. It invalidates our capacity of having control in our own lives. So even though it can be well-meant, it pulls away somebody else's responsibility. The control dance, where one controlling and the other is being controlled, really always leaves both people dissatisfied. The controlling person doesn't feel any better because if the other person makes progress, they go, well, you know, it's because I forced them to, only validating their need to control more. And that's a scary place to be. Whenever we're trying to control someone else, we're in a scary place because in a sense, we have no way of maintaining that. The other person can always take back control and rob us of what we think is our role. When you're being controlled, that's not satisfying because you feel like a puppet, unable to make your own choices. And so in that dance of control, both people lose. I'm going to talk more about control in another podcast, but and how it turns to this validation and acceptance, it's how we feel invalidated. If somebody else is controlling, we feel invalidated and unaccepted. If we're controlling, we may feel some validation of control, but invalidated as the fact that we're in a partnership. So both people lose. Okay, so now here's an important thing that I think a lot of people miss about this validation issue and infidelity in particular. Affairs, whether they're emotional or physical, are almost all fueled, at least at the beginning, by validation, by getting that need for validation. The feeling of being accepted, of being wanted and validated are extremely attractive, you remember back when those early days when you were da- dating your spouse, you know, the fact that they wanted to be with you fueled your desire to want to be with them. The fact that they wanted to show their love fueled your desire to show love. There was a validation, a mutual validation going on that went back and forth. And when that goes missing, the hole is going to be, be filled somewhere else. Some time ago, I had some person who came to me and said, I don't understand this. I don't understand why my spouse is having an affair with this person. They are not fit. They're not attractive. They don't dress well. Their house is horrible. They live in a bad place. They come from bad uh, family. I mean, the person named a whole list. And yet, I can't get my husband to see the truth. But what I knew was it had nothing to do with that other person. Very little except for that the other person was providing the validation that this spouse had not been able to provide for a number of years. To be adored, to be validated, to be respected, to be desired are huge aphrodisiacs, huge aphrodisiacs, and they are part of what keeps a marriage connected. We never outgrow the desire to be able to show something of our life and have somebody else say, Good job. That's really good. I'm proud of you. So affairs are often fueled by validation. So are the people I see who are in hobbies that are uh, overtaking them. You know, they, they ride a bike and they ride with a crowd. And the validation is they were able to keep up or somebody saying, wow, that was a great run, ride you did. Where they get involved in some other hobby that takes them over because they find some sense of community and validation within that. How about Facebook? Think about how Facebook 
can overtake many people's lives. And part of the reason is because of the validation. I put up a photo and it gets liked. I put up a status and people get make comments and like it in ways that I may not get somewhere else. In fact, I've often heard people say, you know, my spouse is so lost in Facebook and I don't get it. And I know part of what's going on is in Facebook, people validate. There's no, I don't like this button. There's no don't like photo. There's only like. And so you hear from people only on the validation part. That is a powerful attractor anywhere in life. So now let me make a little caution. An easy response is to say, that's what I want. I want to be validated. I want my spouse to validate me. I know this because after the podcast on forgiveness, I had people say, that's what I want. I want my spouse to forgive me. After trust, that's what I want. I want my spouse to trust me. After all of the uh, podcasts I've done, I've had a number of people who have contacted me and said, my spouse needs to do this. But here's the problem. You're listening. You're the one who has control over your actions. We have no control over what your spouse might do. The process of saving a marriage may mean setting aside what you want for now so that you can get it down the road. I'm not saying that you should live your life trying to validate your spouse and never getting validation, but it's more of a long-term look, a long-term down-the-road look. I might not get it now, but what if it's possible down the road? Don't get caught in waiting for it to come your way. Don't get caught waiting for validation before you validate. How do you send validation your spouse's way? How do you validate your spouse? How do you find ways of saying, you know what, I like you, your, your statements are interesting, your life is interesting, what you do is interesting. How do you find ways of validating your spouse? If you can't find ways of validating your spouse, you need to step back and say, what's blocking me? What's getting in my way of being the validator? What's getting in my way of expressing something that we all need? Because what I've noticed is when I've talked to people who are no longer validating their spouse, they validate their friends left and right. They have great conversation with their friends and they validate what their friends are doing. They validate their kids. They validate other people in their lives. And yet when it comes to their spouse, they choose not to. And I mean choose. They make an option, whether it's conscious or not. They make the option not to validate a spouse, even though that is one of the core needs that we have in a marriage. So let me ask you to step back and say, how can I validate my spouse? How can I move towards making my spouse feel like they're validated and accepted? And if you do that, what you will find is that it's intoxicating. It's attractive. It pulls the person back in. Okay, now is your turn to help me a little bit. Somebody sent in an email this week and says, how can I talk about your podcast? I love it, but how can I talk about it? Because I don't want anybody to know about my marriage issues. And I would simply say, did you hear something in this podcast that you think every marriage could benefit from? Not just ones where somebody's trying to save it, but did you find something that everybody might be able to use? Because every marriage is about validation. And if that's the case, choose to post about that. You can put it on Facebook about that and just say, hey, you know what? I listen to this great podcast that applies to every marriage, even though it's about uh, saving the marriage. It applies to every marriage. Or you can really easily send out a tweet for me. If you're on Twitter, just go to savethemarriage.com slash love. 
it'll pre-populate your uh, Twitter account with a tweet that you can just hit send or you can change it, but it sends people to the podcast, lets them find it, lets them find ways. The other way you can help is just to leave a comment below about some way that you're deciding to validate your spouse. Some question you might have about how you validate your spouse that maybe somebody else will respond to or I can respond to or one of my coaches can respond to, but leave us some comments. Let us know what you're thinking and let me know what you would like to hear about in future podcasts. You can simply send me an email at podcast at savethemarriage.com. That's podcast at savethemarriage.com. That's not a place to go and say, hey, help me with my situation. It's a place to say, hey, I would like to hear about this in a podcast. The other thing I'd invite you to do is to grab my Kindle book. You can find it. You can read it. It's a Kindle, so you can read it on any phone, uh, smartphone, or any tablet, or on your computer. And you can find that at savethemarriage.com slash Kindle. That's savethemarriage.com slash Kindle. That book is How to Save Your Marriage in Three Simple Steps. Until next week, I wish you the best as you continue to work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com. 